Welcome to the JNR Basketball Podcast. I'm John, and we'll be joined by Ronnie in just a moment. I wanted to first update you on some of the news events that have occurred since we recorded this episode initially. The first story being LeBron James and his contract extension. LeBron was entering the last year of his contract, and there was a lot of will-he-won't-he sort of speculation on whether or not he'll remain with the Lakers. He does does sign a two-year extension. The third year uh, will make him a is a player option. So there's some speculation that whatever team drafts his son, LeBron may opt out of the contract and sign a contract with that team to allow him to play one season with his son. So never really seen anything like that in the NBA before. LeBron is certainly a, a special player in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see which team drafts his son when he comes out and if that will influence LeBron or not on whether or not he accepts the third year of this player option or if he opts out and decides to sign uh, with that team. This contract makes LeBron the highest paid NBA player of all time. It pushes him past Kevin Durant. Lifetime contract earnings, uh, assuming he plays out this contract, will be $528 million. Uh, Kevin Durant is number two at 498. Rounding out the top three is Steph Curry, $470 million. Uh, So a lot of money has been made by these guys playing basketball. And a lot more money to come for for a lot of these guys. They're going to have more contracts potentially uh, in their career. The NBA schedule was released, and we now know who the opening night games will be. It's going to be a doubleheader. Tuesday, October 18th, the Philadelphia 76ers will go to Boston and play the Boston Celtics, and the Los Angeles Lakers will travel up north and play the Golden State Warriors. So those are your four teams playing on opening night. The Sixers, the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Golden State Warriors. I think that's a great matchup, a great way to kick off the season, Uh, have both the teams that played in the NBA Finals at home and playing against uh, another dominant team in their conference. Some key things that were on this schedule, which I thought were pretty neat. Uh, we already talked about the Christmas day schedule, but election day as well. We talked about that, how there will be no games played on election day. They're introducing NBA rivals week. This will put teams, it'll try to recreate some of these rivalries during uh, the season. So January 24th to January 28th will be rivals week. So take a look at your team's schedule and see who the NBA thinks is is your rival. They're also doing some global games. They're taking a page from the NFL here. They're going to have some games outside of North America, uh, specifically US, United States and Canada, where, where all NBA games have historically been played. They're going to see a game in Mexico City. The Heat will face the Spurs Saturday, December 17th in Mexico City, Mexico. And there's also going to be a game in Paris. This is going to be the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons Thursday, January 19th. They will be going to uh, Paris to play a game internationally. We're going to have our rematch of the NBA Finals December 10th in Golden State. Golden State Warriors playing San Francisco. The Warriors and the Celtics December 10th. That should be a fun game to watch uh, between those teams as a rematch of the NBA Finals. The last day of the season is going to be April 9th. All 30 teams will be playing on the last day. Uh, again, that's that's kind of neat to see which races will still be up in the air and what the final outcome, what the playoff picture is going to look like down until the last day, hopefully. Another feature of this schedule is the travel reduction. Last year was actually the lowest amount of miles traveled by the NBA overall with a total of 43,000 miles, which just seems absolutely insane to think about. Uh, But they've reduced it again. This year, it's going to be 41,000 miles per team. And this is going to be the lowest it's ever been in the 30-team era with 82 games. 
So I, I think that's really, really cool that they're trying to reduce some of that wear and tear. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I also believe this is the this schedule has far less back-to-backs on average per team than past schedules have as well. So less travel, less back-to-back games. Hopefully that leads to less injuries. Hopefully that leads to maybe a little less load management, and we'll see some of these guys playing uh, every single game that they're not actually injured versus you know, the resting of those games. Uh, So that is a quick news update, and we're going to jump back into the podcast now. Thanks. Welcome, everyone, to JNR Basketball. My name is John, joined by Ronnie, and we are back with another episode, and we're going to talk about some contracts today. Uh, Specifically, Ronnie sent me a link on Twitter. I think it was you, Ronnie. Did you send that to me? Yes, it was. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, About some just weird clauses that basketball players have put in their contracts, or sometimes team owners have put in their contracts. So this all kind of started... Recently, where there was this weight clause put in Zion's contract or an alleged weight clause put in Zion's contract that he had to be you know, under a certain weight uh, or a certain level of fitness. We've seen the Miami Heat do similar things where people are like, ooh, I don't know that Kyle Lowry is going to meet these fitness requirements. Uh, so we've seen teams do that. But now we have some players that kind of put some weird stuff in their contracts. Uh, let me pull up my little sheet here, Ronnie. Uh, but the one that kind of stood out, the one that was the most popular one was the Michael Jordan contract. So he actually had two sort of pieces of that. Uh, you want to go ahead and cover the first one? Yeah, sure. So it says, so basically I want to give credit to Kix too. They did this tweet and they put it together very well. So at Kix, you can follow them. It says, you've probably heard of MJ's love of the game clause. But it's fair from the craziest thing. I'm sorry, but it's far from the craziest thing we've seen written in NBA contracts. From demanding concert tickets to a 100K penalty for owning a dog, here are some of the strangest contract clauses in NBA history. First one Jordan's love of the game. The clause is stuff of legend. Naturally, with how important MJ was to the Bulls and the NBA in general, Chicago desperately wanted to limit his injury risks. But MJ is MJ, and if there was something he wanted, he was going to get it. This clause allowed him the ability to ball with anyone, anytime, anywhere he chose. So if MJ decided he wanted to break some ankles at random pickup games, there was nothing the Bulls could do about it. I thought that was really cool because you always hear these stories about people challenging Michael Jordan, saying, I I could beat you, you're nothing. And Michael Jordan's like, let's go. And (laughs) it it created so many good stories. So I'm, I'm actually really happy that they put this clause in there. Well, he would, yeah, he would have forced that clause because from the team's perspective, that's a terrible thing to put in your contract. <laughs> right. I don't want him getting hurt on some, you know, uh, outdoor court that has random sand in places. <laughs> yeah. Like you always see those, right? The courts that are just not very well kept up and there's rocks and sand and stuff on it. Can you imagine if he tears his ACL or, or sprains an ankle because, because of that? So that, that was quite, quite the, uh, the risky contract to put in. But yeah, it is really cool that. He wants to play basketball, and uh, he doesn't care if it's on a court or you know at a playground somewhere. Uh, so that is pretty neat that they put it in there. I'm, I'm shocked, like I said, that they they let that stay in there. Uh, but that to me was one of the weird MJ ones. The other one was his basketball. I'm sorry, baseball uh, clause that he put in there. Uh, so he wanted to play baseball. I think that was pretty well known, and. The owner of the Bulls was also owner of the Chicago White Sox AA team, their affiliate, the Birmingham Barons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he agreed that Jordan could go play there and still get paid his NBA salary. So he made $4 million to play on a AA affiliate. Uh, I think that's more of 
not trying to damage that relationship with Michael Jordan, knowing that when eventually he comes back to the NBA, he'll still be on good terms with your team. And that gamble definitely paid off. So, yeah, they honored yeah. his basketball contract to go out on this fantasy to, to be a baseball player. Uh, so that was pretty cool for, for Michael Jordan's perspective, a chance to do that and, and not uh, lose out on that money. This whole thing, this whole exercise for me was really just crazy of how little money Michael Jordan made as an NBA player. And not only yeah. him, but just some of these basketball players. When you look at like today's dollars, $50 million, you know, Devin Booker is going to make. And then MJ made $4 million right. <laughs> after he won, you know, back-to-back-to-back championships. But he's a billionaire now, so it worked he out. He is, yeah. So you usually wonder, like, how could these athletes go broke? Well, the the next one that I wanted to talk about on the list here, and find my mouse here, is is his teammate Scottie Pippen, which he he comes from a very poor family. He had eleven siblings. His father was paralyzed for a stroke. Uh, he needed to get money, and he was willing to sign a long term contract just to ensure that he would have a bigger dollar amount. Not necessarily a high dollar amount per year, but he signed a seven-year, $18 million contract with the Bulls. At, there was a time where he was the sixth highest paid player on the Bulls payroll. Can you imagine? Man. I mean, he was the second best player, but the sixth as far as payroll goes. That's just that's just kind of sad. I feel bad that's for crazy. the guy. It's a weird scenario that he was in that he needed to make that money, but seven-year, $18 million deal uh, – for the Bulls, and they must have been so excited when he signed that contract, knowing <laughs> know. that that they got him. Um, and he that, requested again, a trade, like Durant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> different league. Uh, so it, that's that's was one of the contract weirdness I saw. You mentioned concert tickets. Do you have that one uh, in front of you? No, I don't have that one in front of me right now. Okay, so that was Bill Walton back when he was on the San Diego Clippers. Yes, you heard that right, the San Diego Clippers. Nice. Uh, they, the San Diego Clippers wanted to sign him in the 1979-1980 season. He refused to sign the contract unless they got him eight tickets to every single one of Bruce Springsteen's seven sold-out shows at the sports arena. So he, <laughs> wanted, really cool. to, he wanted just a bunch of tickets to see uh, Bruce Springsteen. So that was part of, part of the contract there. Um, NBA, before they changed the collective bargaining agreement, they used to be able to sign really, really – like insanely long-term contracts. We just saw Scottie Pippen's seven-year contract, but the one that just <laughs> just started laughing at. Do you know how long Magic Johnson's contract in 1981 he signed with the Lakers? His second year in the league, by the way. Boy, okay, so I <laughs> just going based off of what you're saying right now. I'm just gonna take a wild guess and just say I'm gonna say ten years. 10 years. That's a good guess. 25-year, $25 million contract extension. So in his second year, he signed a 25-year, $25 million contract extension with the Lakers. That's amazing. Take him from 1984 to 2009. Man. Could you imagine if Magic was still playing in 2009? That is absolutely absurd. Uh, He retired in 1985. Yeah, 25 million. A million a year. That was it. That was the 80s, man. he retired in 1991. He had a brief comeback in 1995-96, but yeah, he he did not live up to that 25-year contract. Yeah, uh, which is yeah, go figure. Uh, a similar sort of contract was Chris Webber, 
back in 1994. His rookie contract, his first year in the league, he signed a 15-year, $74 million contract with the Golden State Warriors. His rookie season. That's insane. <laughs> it's it's like they want to tie these guys up for long term. I get that. But 15 years, oof. Uh, he had the ability to opt out. He opted out after one season and became a free agent. Probably regrets that. A 15-year <laughs> contract uh, is is pretty nice thing to have. Uh, there was some some weight loss and conditioning contracts. Glenn Davis had one. Uh, some of the other ones that were kind of funny that I thought. Did you have any more that you wanted to jump in or you just want me to go down my list? Yeah, you could go down the list. I, I enjoy hearing them. Go for it. There were several players, including this guy who I've never heard of, Luke Renor, who was a player on the uh, Supersonics. He was he had a clause in his contract that he would get a $1.5 million bonus if he ever won Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> he was not a good defender. He yeah. was subpar at best, but somehow they put that in his contract. Um, I, I just always wonder like, why, why did they do that? was that the agent being like, Hey, look, I fought for you. You can get this bonus. He's like, Oh cool. What do I have to do? Something impossible. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so, I bet it motivated him. I bet he defended like crazy though. Yeah. <laughs> he averaged one steal and, uh, one steal a game and one block every five games. So man, that's horrible. <laughs> he did not, he did not win the contract. Uh, unfortunately, Nowhere close to it. There was another player. Who I can't even I don't even know who he is. I've never heard of him. His name is Andal Foy. Uh and it even says you've probably never heard of him for good reason. He was never a starter. He averaged four points, five rebounds, and one block a game on seventeen minutes a night. But he had a clause in his contract that he would get a half a million dollar bonus if he ever won the league MVP, and another half a million dollars if he was named the finals MVP. Nice. <laughs> so it's just absolutely insane that they put some of this stuff in there. Uh, Nick Collison had something similar. If he got the MVP, he would get a, a $100,000 bonus. But he was, you know, he was just a role player. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So it is kind of funny when they when they put that stuff in there. In there. But to me, the biggest shock was those long-term contracts. You know, the 15-year deal that... Uh, Chris Weber signed the 25 year deal that Magic Johnson signed. Just absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine signing like today? Like, guys, I'm trying to think of a player who came into the league hot and then just sort of, sort of fit, fizzled out. Uh, well, yeah. Well, let's, so say, like, let's say so Andrew the, Wiggins, right? Andrew Wiggins okay. was drafted high. What if they signed him his rookie year to like a $15 million, I'm sorry, 15 year contract? That franchise would just absolutely be just bummed out for the next 15 years right. having to pay big money to a player that they thought was going to be a star and didn't work out uh so I, I imagine that's part of why these collective bargaining agreements resulted in these huge changes where you know now the max you can sign is a five-year extension yeah i was thinking more like who who won rookie of the year last year i forget who it was but uh, can you imagine signing him to like a 15-year contract just knowing like after right. one year like you want him on your team for 15 years i don't even remember who the guy was <laughs> you know how do they how do they know they don't. I mean, that's just like drafting, right? You look when we've done our redrafts, we're like, why did they take this player at number two? He played three games in the NBA and was terrible. It's all just guesses, you know. You yeah. have you have your information, you have your process, and you hope that it's fruitful. But a lot of it is out of your hands. Especially Greg Oden was drafted before Kevin Durant. Greg Oden got bit by the injury bug and never mm -hmm. became the all star that was kind of expected of him. You know, yeah. 
it happens. It happens to a lot of players. He could have been great, but instead he had multiple knee surgeries and never really panned out. Uh, Chris Bosh was a great player in the NBA until he started having those heart issues. Yeah. And then, you know, he sort of it changed the way he played and, and it prevented him from getting on the court a lot of times. So you never really know. And that's why it's just amazing that they would sign you know, Magic Johnson to a 25-year contract. Yeah. I feel like some players you do know, like with Magic Johnson, like with maybe LeBron James, like they, sure, you just know, but how do you really know? Like just exactly what you're well, saying. Like you're, I guess maybe because of the size they wear, you know, they're not extremely big. Like some of these centers are, so they know they're, they're not going to take a pounding on their body. They're more of like a six, eight type of player, you know, two twenty five ish. So they, they feel like they're going to last longer than other players, but still 15 years, 25 years, never. That's, we're not, not, never going to see that again. And there's still that risk. Like LeBron was a high school player that got yeah. drafted. Kobe was a high school player. You have right. no idea what they're going to mature and develop into. I mean, LeBron and Kobe were both still growing when they when they entered the league, and we saw right. them get you know significantly different body shapes as as they progressed through the league. So you have no idea what impact that's going to have. Um, yep. It was David Robinson, I think. I think he was like six nine. When he was in college, and then all of a sudden he grew like another five inches. It's just like yeah. there's a big difference between a six nine player and a seven footer. I I think Anthony Davis was one of those players too. He was drafted so young. Yeah, so it it just it blows my mind that they would do that. But I, I guess you got to you know with the Scottie Pippen situation, he you know he's a good player at that point, and he's kind of hard up for cash. So you kind of take advantage of him. I feel bad for Scotty. Right. Uh, because of that, because he's not, he wasn't getting the endorsement deals that MJ was getting. Um, so yeah. he just kind of had to take what he could get. He had a lot, a big family he needed to take care of. And I feel like the Bulls kind of took advantage of him and took him for a ride on that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't, I definitely don't blame him. It's just like, you know, all these kids coming out of high school to go to the NBA or one year in college and they're done. Yeah. That's, they got to make money. They got to, they got to make money for their family. So, uh, it is crazy that teams would sort of be manipulative and, and take advantage of that. Yeah, we're never going to see this again. I mean, obviously, it's trending backwards because players get hurt and all these things happen. You know, they get in trouble. Like, you know, imagine signing someone for a 15-year contract and then, like, they end up doing something stupid. Like, they, they point a gun at someone, you know, like you hear in the news. Just stupid stuff like that. They do a, like a Gilbert that. Arenas and yeah, uh, you know? bring guns to the Can stadium. You and then, like, oh, yeah. man, we just signed you for, like, 15 years and two years into your deal. You pulled a gun on someone or you shot yourself. <laughs> Well, with most of these big contracts now, they they take insurance policies against them to kind of help at least get that money back if that were to happen. But yeah, yeah absolutely. You you plan your future around these guys, mm-hmm. and you hope for the best. I mean, when you have the first overall pick, you you hope that that's going to be your franchise player for many many years to come, and that you don't sour the relationship. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of DeAndre Ayton and how the Suns completely right. botched that. But yeah, you you hope that that's going to be the cornerstone of your franchise for many years to come. So you want to lock them up for as long as possible and as cheap as possible and hope that you're right. And if you're wrong, well, then, you know, you got them cheaper than you would if, if you let them get three years into the league. So maybe it's not that bad, but that's why they changed the rules. That's why you can only sign uh, four-year deals or a five-year extension if you're, if you're remaining with that team to protect the teams. Uh, really no benefit. Well, I guess there's a benefit to the players, so you don't, you know, outperform your contract vastly and just be like, "Huh, sucks to be you. You're you're under contract for another twelve years at seventy five dollars right? a game." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's no motivation to play hard with that. I do like yeah. the other way around, where 
they give you bonuses for winning MVPs or you know defensive player of the year. I want to see more stuff like that. There was one that I was reading of with like it's saying you know how Zion has his weight clause and stuff like that. Mario right. Chalmers had a had a strangest one of all. It says he says when he was with the Heat, they gave him a nineteen thousand five hundred eighty dollar bonus to go through a skill t- conditioning program during the summer league. So that kind of maybe they could do that with Zion, you know, and give him maybe some bonuses to go through some weight training and you know, just keep his weight I just, down. I just feel like you know twenty grand that went to Mario Chalmers. Yeah, uh, that's not that's nothing to the Zion who has that you know first overall True. pick money and no, just signed but a that was a while extension. back ago. Yeah, but yeah. You know, let's let's I feel motivate like his the kid watch and... probably costs twenty thousand dollars today <laughs> but then again you pay the kids so much money to just be on the team so like even yeah. if you give him Make... bonuses he's gonna be like yeah that's okay i'll pass on that that's too much work right well then that tells you the kind of player that you drafted you don't sign him to a max <laughs> extension yep Aiden. <laughs> playing video games <laughs> you, you just hate Aiden so did you much. read that article i sent you about him playing video games i saw the headline and i just you said, didn't oh, click Ronnie. on it yet you gotta read I it i saw the headline he played video games till like 2 a.m and then he'd be tired the next day um <laughs> you know it is what it, it is yeah. i know you do but it's his life i don't <sighs> think it impacted his performance on the court that much at all he's still a top eight center dude i saw it he was out of it. He's like, I'm so tired. I can't, where's the ball going? <laughs> you kind of rebound for, for crap. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of big men like DeAndre Ayton, yeah. uh, you, you asked the question, does size matter? And I was like, well, Ronnie, this is an awkward conversation <laughs> to have with you. And then you clarified. Go ahead and clarify what you wanted to talk about uh, in relationship to size. We are not sponsored by Roman, just so you guys know. Not yet. <laughs> We will. So go ahead and talk about this. Uh, what you what you wanted to discuss and what you were what were you were getting at when you asked me if oh, size matters? Oh, sure. You you want me to take it from there? Because I do, I do. <laughs> you, that was why I you, threw it you to didn't you want me twice to, now. You didn't want me to. <laughs> For the love of God, please talk. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised you didn't want me to explain more about what I meant by uh, you know, does size matter? Okay, so no, I do. I, was, I do want you to explain. I was oh, I was boy. truly asking you, um, uh, like in the NBA. Does it matter if a player is big or tall anymore? Because we've seen like with the the um the Celtics and we've seen with the Warriors, they have such small centers, they're not that big anymore compared when you compare them to like someone like Shaq back in the day who would move you move you out of the way to go to the hoop and dunk it on you. So I just was wondering, does size matter anymore in a league? Because I feel like all these big guys, they they can't throw their bodies into a guy anymore because there's so many like offensive calls now, offensive fouls. So, what do you think on that? Like, do you do you think size matters anymore anymore in the league, especially going to someone like coming in a league like Shet Holmgren? Like, I don't think it matters anymore. So, yeah, when you asked me this, I kind of had like a whole gambit of emotions. Um, so just sort of some, some clarity here, Shaquille O'Neal, do you want to guess how much he weighed his rookie season? Cause I was blown away by this. Uh, he was 240 from my research. So I show him at 300 pounds <laughs> when he was drafted. So I don't know who's right or wrong here, but, um, interesting. I, oh, I show I'm him sorry. at 300 pounds. I'm a hundred pounds off. It was 340. 
Okay, that was his 1999 year with the Lakers. I have him at 340. Yeah. Uh, I guess the short version is his weight fluctuated all over the place throughout the course of his career. Uh, the lowest I had him at was 300. He was up to 400. Well, no, that was when he retired. Uh, he was at 380 when he was with the Lakers. That was his max weight. He trimmed down to 320 when he joined the Heat in 2005. I think that was a motivated Shaq mm-hmm. to, to get back there. He was a big dude. Uh, but he was playing with other big dudes. Yao yeah. Ming was 310 pounds through most of his career. Uh, David Robinson was significantly leaner. Same with Hakeem Olajuwon. They were both around 250 pounds, both seven feet tall. So those were, you know, those are big guys. Those two are to today's NBA standards. But there still are a lot of big players in the NBA. But I think their mm-hmm. skill sets a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we talk. Let's talk about the the two time MVP Nikolai Jokic. He he could shoot. Shaq couldn't shoot. Yep. So he ha- that you take advantage. If you're a coach, you want to be you want to play a style of basketball that that accents the players that you have. If you have Shaquille O'Neal, you're not going to have him on the perimeter like you can right. with you know some of these other big guys. It doesn't make sense to do that. So you play to his strength, and that's down in the post. And he would do that thing where he backed him in, and he would turn to the left, and he would turn. The, I mean, that was the, that's how Shaq played ball. So I don't think it's necessarily the game has changed. I think that players are just naturally a little bit smaller, and they're they're better de- better developed. Is it the right word? But better skill set of players that allows them to be more flexible, and that allows them to not be just big post guys i don't know man so you're comparing a 7-1 shack 350 pounds to jokic who's you know 284 6 uh i don't know man Shaq was still a good passer i agree with you where he couldn't shoot at all he couldn't even hit a free throw so yeah their skill set is maybe maybe more in depth you know where like I mean, Jokic won MVP, you know, so did Shaq. He won MVPs too, right? How many times so, did Shaq bring the ball from the backcourt up? Right? I mean, you, right. in that, that simulation we did, you had Nikolai <laughs> Jokic as your point guard uh, because he yeah. has such good ball handling skills. Shaq could not yeah. handle the ball at all. If I remember correctly, um, I think Jokic used to be a point guard before he was bigger too. So he just kind of like grew into being a center, but he, he had the handles of a point guard. Where Shaq never really had that. Shaq was never a point guard. He was just always a big guy. He was always in the center. Right. So So I think I think that's the big difference. So I think size does still matter. It's just how you it's not it's not the size, it's how you use it. Yep. And um oh boy. No uh, I think we're just seeing there. them we're just seeing them use it a little bit differently. So yeah, Jokic and uh Joel Abid are both over two hundred and eighty pounds playing basketball. Uh, those are huge guys. And then you look at this is this is what's always crazy to me. Is Giannis was 195 pounds when he's drafted. They say his playing weight is 243, but he looks like he weighs more than that. That dude is built. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Shaq said. If he was in the league today, he would be like Giannis. You know, that's the skill set they would have to develop. Shaq yeah. was never 243 pounds, so I don't know how he could say that. That that's yeah. the skill set that he would have. That's not Shaq's body type, so. Uh, well, there just, is a two-inch difference there, so let's give him a, a couple of pounds there too. You know, let's say if Shaq got down to like two eighty or two seventy, then he might look like Giannis. Yeah, maybe. David Robinson was seven foot one. He was his playing weight was two hundred fifty pounds. 
I love Robinson. I miss him. He was a great player. So let yeah, me go back he, to players yeah. that, like that are this year. So going back to Jokic. So he lost against the Warriors, right? In the first round of the playoffs. He's going against Draymond Green, who's 6'6", 230. Like, the, he is so small compared to Jokic. Jokic is 6'11", 284. So how does someone like Draymond Green, like, just overpower Jokic? And, you know, they I know it's not only him, you know, they have a whole team together. But still, like, I just don't understand that. Like, I, I don't think size matters anymore. You go back to the Celtics with Robert Williams. He's 6'9", 237. He's only 6'9". Yeah, That's but crazy. what is Robert Williams' wingspan? Isn't his wingspan like seven six so or something? Is that crazy it then? Long? Because yeah, you're right. It Robert is... Williams is a great rim protector. Yeah, and I, he plays a lot bigger than he is. You said his wingspan was like seven two or something crazy. It's at least six eleven. I'm just going to say bigger and bigger every time. His yeah. wingspan is like eight feet. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. He could fly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just crazy to me to see the difference, you know, from how it used to be to how it is now, and. I think if Jokic played like Shaq, he would get called for offensive fouls, you know? So he he did develop into this this dribbler, passer, shooter, you know, he does everything. He can't play like Shaq, like like you used to be able to play back in the day. Um, I'm looking at uh let's see, what else did I want to go over? So I was going over like the biggest players in a league, right? So we talked a little bit about Zion, he's two eighty four, six seven. He was injured unfortunately, so we can't really compare him to like a Shaq or anything like that yet, I don't think. But I think we could compare him to maybe like Glenn Davis, Baby Shaq. Do you remember him? He was 6'9", 289. They're, they're similar players. Yeah. But, um, I, I think I there's, just, the, the ceiling is much different for Zion versus Glenn Davis. At least Zion, the Pelicans are hoping. So, is, I haven't, so I have not seen Zion play a single game. I haven't seen him play against the Suns because he's been injured so much. Is he a shooter? Do you know about that? Because I don't even yes. know. He is? Zion, okay. Zion is if, if, if based off of his college performance and, and you know when he has been in the NBA, he is he's going to, he potentially could be a league MVP. He's got a fantastic set of hands. He shoots the ball. He is going to be a great player if he can stay healthy and yeah. they can find the right coach for him. Right? It, it, it yeah. comes down to coaching oft, often. Right? How are we going to use this person? How are we going to make them successful for our team? Now you use the Nikolai Jokic and Draymond Green comparison. Yeah, there's a lot of other players that play the game. And that happens to be that Draymond Green had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins had much better supporting cast. I think if you had a team of five Draymond Greens and a, five of, a team of five Jokic's, that's that's a bloodbath. Yeah, we should do that. We should simulate that. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a simulated bloodbath. So I I do think size matters. I just it's you have better shooters or the three point shot is certainly used a lot more today than it was back in Shaq's days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so prevalent and so important to the game. You have these teams that live by the three, and there you know. Shaq on in the post doesn't do anything to you. That's why you need these guys to be leaner so they yeah. can get out to the perimeter and and help go- defend some of these three point shooters. And and, and overall, the shooting uh, in the NBA is has just changed so much. Okay, I'm gonna go bigger and bigger. So I have Joseph Nurkic. He's two ninety six eleven. I feel like he might be compared to Shaq, you know, but he's we don't know him, right? He like he's not a good player, so he's. He's getting bigger. We're going bigger on this list, but not getting better. I'm going to go to number two on my list, Boban. He's 297.4. 
He only averages 8.2 minutes per game. He has an excellent field goal percentage, though, because you can't stop him once he has a ball, just like you couldn't stop Shaq, 77.4%. But maybe he plays a little bit more Shaq-like Shaq -like because he's so big, and you just feed him the ball, and he just dunks it over anyone. And then last one, Taco Fall. He's 311 pounds, 7.5. He only averages 7.2 minutes per game. 1.1 blocks per game, though, so... Maybe keep him in there. So I actually calculated it. If you if he played for a 48-minute game based off of that stat, he would have 7.3 blocks per game. I know that's impossible to you know keep him in there for a lot long, but just interesting. So going based off of that, I don't think size matters because these guys are getting bigger and bigger, but they're getting like worse and worse. Like we don't, none of these guys are are good, right? <laughs> no, those guys aren't good. But you know, I, I'm gonna. Say DeAndre Ayton because I, I know you know a lot about DeAndre Ayton. Mm -hmm. His style is, is similar to Shaq. He's not good handling the ball. He's gotten a little bit better at his outside jump shot, but you know nothing more than ten to twelve feet. Uh, but he takes a lot of those high percentage shots, and he kind of lives in the post. I think you have a lot of players like that, and obviously Shaq is a Hall of Famer, so it's hard to compare anybody to Shaq. But I think his style at least his positioning is, is similar to that. So I think you have a lot of centers that still play like that. Just yeah. don't necessarily have the size that Shaq had or Yao had. Um, you know, Yao is another one, right? Yeah. The battles between mm -hmm. Yao and Shaq were legendary. Uh, Yao being seven foot five, 310 pounds. He wasn't going to be pushed around by Shaq. And that's those, those were fun games to watch. Uh, or those were really boring games to watch, depending on how, yeah. how you watch basketball. I was, he hated when it would just give it to Shaq in the post. He backs yep. it down. He does a turnaround <laughs> jump shot, and we go exactly. down to the other side. And we do the same damn thing for 48 minutes, uh, except for the last five minutes where they just foul Shaq, and he looks terrible at the three-throw line. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that those games I, – I do think size matters at the end of the day, but I agree it's not as important as it was – you know, all those teams are trying to find a Yao or a Shaq, where now yeah. you want somebody that can handle the ball and can play multiple positions. That's more important to you than just a big body. So I think if Shaq played nowadays, though, he would just he would try backing someone down, and then they would flop, and then he would get called for offensive foul. I don't think so. No, you don't? All right. But you don't, you don't, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw somebody back somebody down. It's been a bit. But yeah. they don't really they don't really call flops on that. Like people don't really flop on that too much because I don't think you're going to get that call. It's more of when you know they turn face to the basket. You know where they're going to get hit by an imaginary elbow or <laughs> or a push off or something. I was thinking like MB. Like he he tries backing people down. Um, I've seen a few offensive fault calls against him during the playoffs. So that's one player that came into mind. Okay, now I'm going to go backwards. Okay. I'll have to look to... at those highlights for Joel. So I, I don't recall any. So shit. Holmgren, he's 195, seven foot. I, I'm actually a really big fan of his because he's so skinny, right? Because I am. Do you, <laughs> so look at, look at this guy. Like when you look at, I know it's summer league. That's all we have to compare him with, but he's like blocking all these big guys that are like going after him and he's, he's taking it. Like he's able to, to stand up and even though he's not big, like he, he holds his ground and he's able to keep the ball out of the rim. So Maybe size doesn't matter. Height does and wingspan does, but I don't think like girth matters. <laughs> yeah, I think it does come playoff time or come the end of games where it turns yeah. into more of a half-court game. 
because I think that's where you really need that size because then that's where you do get tend to get more post ups. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm just watching some Joel Mead highlights, and you know it's his post move highlights, but it's it's yeah. a lot of just points in the paint. It's not it's not this you know what I expected. Yeah, well, uh, they're not going to show highlights. him. They're not going to show his offensive fouls that he gets there too. You know, but yeah, I was watching no, his no, highlights no, too. I'm I, I'm yeah. probably watched what you watched. It, it is a mix like of he, everything. He does, he does back down. He does back down a little bit, but then he tends to turn and kind of do like a fadeaway shot or mm-hmm. spins out and, and drives in. So it's again, it comes back to he's better at handling the ball um, and has a little bit better footwork than than some of the big guys of of years past. So yeah. he doesn't have to play the game that way because he's just a more talented and skilled player. Okay, and then one last thing on this, I just want to go over like someone like Steph Curry, who's one of the best in the league. He's only one eighty five six two. I know it's a huge difference, and he's a point guard, but he, in a lot of these rankings that I was looking at, he is like the like power rankings. He's the best in the league. He's just size doesn't matter. He's only six two. He's only one eighty five, and he's one of he is the best player in the league. So, I again, I'm just trying to prove my point that I don't think size matters anymore. But if you do put him against like Joel Embiid or Jokic, who's gonna win? Like, do you do you think Steph Curry could take him? He could just blow past him, right? So you, I, I don't. Are you talking about a five on five situation? Sure, or one on one. No, one on one. Yeah, absolutely. He's quicker on a five on five situation. I think you have your rim protectors, and you you kind of. Play like a like a zone defense to to try to isolate as much as possible, double team when you can. But I don't know, I don't, man. Because if you have five Currys that are like running all over the place, what's what's a big defender going to do? You know, obviously you're not going to keep up with one of the Currys. <laughs> no, I think you're not going to be able to. I, you know, when you talk about size matters, some of the players that I noted down that I think are fantastic players and have a big size. You know, you have Kevin Durant, two hundred forty pounds. LeBron, two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, you know, Zion, you mentioned 284. Those guys are big guys. You know, they talked a lot about James Harden being a little bit overweight this year. I don't have his weight in front of me, but yeah. I would guess he's probably above 250 or somewhere close to that. Uh, those guys don't get pushed around. So I think that's it's more of a hybrid sort of league where you have these these forwards and these guards that are big, bigger and and bigger, bigger and stronger, I should say. And um that's the sort of size that matters now. You don't have the Danny Ainge sort of tiny players. I guess Steph Curry kind of fits that that mold. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have a team full of those guys. You need some of those bigger guys yep. to, to be your your defenders on the teams. I mean, look how Marcus Smart is kind of a small guy. He kind of got pushed around a lot during the playoffs and, and targeted almost. Uh, despite his great defensive abilities, just because he he struggled with a bigger Clay Thompson, uh, you know, being able to out, outmuscle him uh, when he was driving or, or even trying to get open on shots. So size yeah. matters, but just not in the post. I would agree that size doesn't matter as much in the post because the it, game is more spread. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see Chet going up against Embiid or some of these other bigger centers. Cause I think if, if Chet puts himself up against these guys where he actually like tries standing up to them, he's going to be pushed back and they're going to dunk all over him. But then again, I've seen him block a lot so. of these I'm guys too. To so. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me You've too. seen him block a lot of summer league guys. That's, right. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I want to see him. I want to see him against Zion. I want to see him yes. against uh, Harden. Um, not even. Not even big center. I'd love to see Jimmy Butler or or Joel Embiid or some of these other uh, big big guys go after him. Jokic. 
I think he's going to struggle mightily until he puts on some weight. And yeah. that's good. You know, those those players need to know that. Giannis yep. probably probably had a couple of lessons in his rookie year that sticks with him and motivated him when he hit the hit the gym in the offseason to put on the put yeah. on that bulk. And I think you mentioned this earlier, but Giannis, I mean um Giannis, he was when he first got in the league, he was one ninety six nine and then he grew into two forty three, six eleven. So Shet's starting out at one ninety five seven foot, so let's see if he grows more, let's see if he gets bigger and over the years and Right. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, just I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with him, and if size does matter, or if he's able to just stay skinny and <laughs> just stay say skinny. that out loud. There's no way he's going to be able to survive at that size. <laughs> I was just trying to think: is there a skinny player like a like? I mean, he is skinny, skinny. Like the looks of him. Is there another player that you can think of that has a similar body style to him that's in the league today and is successful today? No, but I'm I'm trying to go back back in the day. There was this really skinny basketball player that he was really Manute dark. Bull? He was, I think, yeah, Manute Bull. He had a super short shorts too, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we're t- yeah. So he had a very successful successful career, and he wasn't. He was like, built seven or foot muscular. six, seven foot seven, two hundred pounds. Ooh. Yeah, he was just crazy looking on the court. Cause he was so thin looking. So yeah, I don't know. So okay. That that was in the eighties, right? He played in the mid to mid eighties to early nineties, where you had a lot a lot more smaller guys yeah. uh in the league. I think it was funny, it was him and the smallest player in the league, whose name escapes me right now, um, played on the same team for a bit and there's just some pictures of Was it Spud Webb or Muggsy Bogues? Muggsy Bogues, there it is. Okay. Yep. So yeah, those I'd... guys were on the, the Washington Bullets at the same time. And yeah. it's just like Oh yeah, I remember seeing a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. so yes, there there is a history of a really, really short oh, I'm sorry, really, really tall and skinny NBA player that had that had success. Uh I don't know if that will work in today's game because everybody's bigger, stronger, faster. And yeah. I, like I said, size doesn't matter in the post as much, but you have bigger guys handling the ball more. I mean LeBron James is is built like a like a tight end and he handles the ball better than anybody just as good as anybody so it's it's a lot more difficult to to guard those guys because they could beat you more than just the post they could beat you on the dribble yeah uh, they could beat you with a pass to another guy that's far more talented than to um guys that played in the 80s and 90s it just amazes me that you know with homegrown that's what brought this all up to me is because he's so small and he was picked second pick in the draft and then I think go back to you know when Shaq was drafted and all all these big players back in the day and I just that the league has changed so much like I don't think we would ever draft anyone this high when he was like this skinny I I just I don't see it anymore yeah but ten then, years ago I don't know that you make that draft yeah but I think Giannis was picked like forty third I want to guess overall no he was picked in the teens was he in the uh, teens okay seventeen is gonna be my guess I just watched okay. that movie on Disney Plus. Got it. Okay. So yeah, he even he wasn't picked like in the top ten, you know, so he was the fifteenth pick overall. Yeah. No, he wasn't picked in the top ten. And there was a lot of questions. They thought he was gonna have to go to Europe and play for a bit before he'd be NBA ready. Uh but the Bucks were bad. So they took him and and it worked out really well for them. But yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I, I think I think we're in a, a somewhat of an agreement. I, I agree. That size doesn't matter, but I have the stipulation of in the post. 
Whereas I think you're saying overall size doesn't matter because you have successful centers like Draymond Green, uh, Robert Williams, uh, and other sort of these smaller, smaller centers. I mean, looking at what the Dallas Mavericks had at center, right? They they went small almost all year and they had a successful team. They didn't necessarily have a successful center, uh, but they had a successful team where it used to be you needed that, you know, the, a big guy in the center was just as important as, you know, you had Shaq and Kobe and Shaq and Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Yao. You know, those were the centerpieces of those teams. Those teams were built around those big guys. Um, and you're not going to see that anymore, I believe. You're going to see more of these hybrid players like Zion where they could do more than just play in the post. Yeah. I think, I think that makes the game funner. Yeah. Honestly. It does. I think Holmgren's going to end up flopping when he has someone backing him down. So be honest, you know, he's he's not going to be able to stop any big guys, so. And then yeah, I I, wanna, I'm, I I don't want to say I'm rooting for him to fail cuz I just makes I am, it seem honestly, mean. I don't know why. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> so and mean. and that was, I mean I did too, no. That, he just that, he just comes off extremely cocky and arrogant. Yeah, exactly. And That's why. He hasn't done anything yet to to earn that arrogance and cockiness. He's not a good guy to represent the skinniness of all these players, you know. Like I sure. I want someone more humble and I I don't want it to be him. I just want him to get pushed around and just like I yeah, I just want him to hit the ground hard, you know. Hey, I need to go back on something you said. Aiton does not remind me at all of Shaq. There's there's no comparison there. There's there's when you did that earlier. No way, man. Aiton is is did no way. Did you cry way a little Shaq. bit inside when I said that? Yeah. No, he's I, not I, as I good as Shaq. You can't compare anybody to Shaq. Shaq's a Hall of Famer. Maybe you could compare Yao to Shaq. But what Aiton, I'm saying yeah. is, Aiton is a a tall dude. He has a decent amount of weight to him. And outside of the post, his game isn't that strongly developed. I think it is. You got to look at some of his highlights because you're not going to see too many, too many, too many Shaquille O'Neal like highlights with him. He doesn't no, but you're not going to see him bring the ball up the court and and standing out on the perimeter. He goes to the post. And he, he waits. He shoots a lot of mid range jump shots, and yes, he's very mid-range. accurate. And that's what I said. He he shoots mid. He would rather Shaq shoot the mid range than attack the rim. Yes, but his his game is within ten feet of the rim. Yeah. Well, more than than I would say. Other he's, he's he could shoot the three point ball too. He doesn't do it consistently, but I don't remember seeing him miss a three point shot this year. Maybe one early in the year, but he was making every three point shot. It was pretty amazing. That he, begs he has the, the question range. of why is he shooting three point shots? <laughs> uh, last year he shot thirty six percent from the three uh, three point line. No way! It had to have been higher than that. He must have shot some shots when I wasn't looking. That's and missed his them. highest. That's <laughs> his highest. The year before it was twenty percent. So that's pretty good yeah, though for shoots, a center. He shoots a good. Th- why is he shooting those shots? <laughs> because he can make them. No, he can't. <laughs> the record shows <laughs> he shot thirty six percent. It's terrible. That, that's excellent for three points. So Chet Holmgren shoots thirty nine percent. Great. No, I don't on. want my I don't want my center shooting threes. That's one out of three. That's not bad at all. As long as he goes to rebound it, the the two times he misses out of three, he shoots it. That's all I care about. Go rebound the ball. Oh, I hate you. Ron. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yep, thanks, guys.